Folks, we got a huge show for you today. Tony Blinken is on the ropes. He's on thin ice with everything that is spilling out of the emails and of the laptop about his ties to Burisma. I'm also going to give you a special update from Poland at the very end of today's episode. But first, after you make sure that you're subscribing to Human Events Daily on Apple Podcasts and on Rumble, I want you to go and sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. I know you are sick of spending so much time scrolling through the internet. Where do I find the stories? Where's the information? Where's the good stuff? Where's the stuff that nobody else is talking about? We've taken all of the work away from you. We're doing all of it. We're going to give it to you. You know it for what price? Absolutely free. Go to humanevents.com slash POSO, sign up for the, the POSO Daily Brief, and you will have it delivered immediately to your inbox every day. Fresh material from all across the internet, from alternate sources that are giving you the information that you need to make decisions for yourself, for your family, for your business. Go to humanevents.com slash POSO, sign up today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is May 2nd, 2023, Anno Domine. Today's top story, Secretary of State Tony Blinken on thin ice as Burisma laptop scandals begin to pile up. We're going to put it in context for you next. A new TikTok hack challenge is making Kias and Hyundais completely uninsurable. And then, of course, finally, I told you guys before, I'm here in Poland. It's my last day here. I want to tell you a little bit about why Poland is ranked one of the safest countries in the world. All this and more head, Human Events Daily. Ask you this. I just have a couple more questions for you. A little off topic here, but I think it's interesting. How long was your recent interview with the FBI and was it a deposition? I'm sorry, I don't know what you're referring. Are you saying that you have not had a recent interview with the FBI since becoming Secretary of State? I'm, uh, I, I'm not sure what you're referring to, uh, and I'm happy to take that uh, up with you offline. Did, this, did the State Department turn over documents to the FBI related to Hunter Biden, Burisma, and or the Blue State Strategies Co Corporation? Uh, you'll have to uh, So you have no the, knowledge uh, of this? You have had no... You don't. You are you saying you have not, not had an interview it, it with would, the FBI it would, since it would not be appropriate for me to comment uh, in a public forum on any uh, legal proceedings that the department. I'm not asking you to comment on the legal proceedings. I'm just asking if you've been interviewed by the FBI since becoming Secretary of State. Um, again, I'm not going to comment one way or another on any uh, legal proceedings or not uh, that may or may not have uh, happened. Have you sought um, to let me remind the gentleman that the topic of this hearing is Afghanistan. That's what we're. I appreciate it, Mr. Chairman, but the secretary generally refuses to answer questions about Afghanistan. So I just figured we talk about something you should be intimately familiar with. Have you sought to alter any of your testimony from last year's Senate investigation regarding this topic? Mr. Secretary. Tony, 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 you're in a world of trouble, buddy, a world of trouble. And I'm here to walk you through it right up until your impeachment. So huge news um, just rat ratcheting across basically everywhere right now from the national polls. Most Americans want Amer Biden Secretary of State Anthony Blinken impeached for covering up the Hunter Biden hard drive. Now, this was the first scandal that we saw 
Tony Blinken directly tied to when it came out that his name was attached to the impetus. He was the main guy. He was the quarterback behind that false intelligence community disinformation campaign in October of 2020. One of the various things that led us to have an unfair election in 2020, just one month later, because the intelligence community working with with Tony Blinken, we now know, because the former head of the CIA confessed, admitted that they were behind that part of it, the same way that we now have the testimony of the FBI, of, of Elvis Chan. We also have the testimony of Joel Roth. We also have the Twitter files, thanks to Elon Musk, all telling us that the FBI led to the censorship. So look, look what we have here. On the CIA side, working with Tony Blinken, you had this letter that came out with 51 intel officials. So the CIA is working the media angle of it. What's the FBI doing on the other side? The FBI is making sure that it's censored across all social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all down. Any of the mainstreams out there. This was the first time I ever got something locked on Twitter. All I did was post a link to an article by my great friend, Emma Jo Morris, after Steve Bannon and the war room and Rudy Giuliani got the hard drive to her. So this was the story, right? This was the story. This is exactly what happened. We're going through it. Emma posts the report. We get it all out there. Boom. Two massive operations directly tied to the national security state come in. Who has played a, ma- a massive role in it? Tony Blinken. Now the report coming out, 60%, almost two-thirds of likely U.S. voters surveyed by Rasmussen reports say that Congress should begin impeachment proceedings against Tony Blinken. 60%, an absolutely massive number, a number that certainly includes more than just hardcore conservative um, Trump supporters. Here's the next big piece of this. Tony Blinken, during his confirmation hearings, testified that he had no ties whatsoever to Burisma. We now have new information that that was a complete lie, a complete and utter lie, because there are emails from Tony Blinken and his wife, Evan Ryan, corresponding with a company that was directly paid for by Burisma. Now, I don't want to just focus on the fact, and I know a lot of people are going to be out there, a lot of conservative media, Fox News, they're going to play that whole game of, oh, he lied, he lied, we got him, he lied, we got him. I want to explain why did he lie? What was Burisma up to in 2015 and 2016? Why were they lobbying Washington, D.C.? Why were they tied to Tony Blinken? What did they want? That's what we do here on Human Events Daily. We go a step further and explain to you what the lies were about. What were they attempting to cover up? It's very simple. They were trying to cover up the fact this all goes back, put it into context, 2015, 2016, what's happening? This is exactly when the head of Verisma, Zlachevsky, was under, okay, under investigation by the Ukrainian government. He was the guy who then hired Hunter Biden to get in good with the U.S. government. What does Vice President Biden do next? He gets him fired. He brags about this. Then what else happened? Oh, turns out on the financial side, there were still some issues going on. And it looked like that actually didn't work out too well for Zlachevsky. Those financial issues ended up with his own bank 
getting nationalized at the end of 2016, but they're scrambling, they're desperate, they're trying to reach out to anyone they possibly could. Because if you look at the timeline of the emails, the meeting that Burisma was requesting or this Burisma firm was requesting with Tony Blinken took place after Shokin was fired. Shokin was that Ukrainian prosecutor who was fired. So because the meeting was asked for afterwards, we realized there was still another piece of the puzzle going on. What was that piece? It had to do with this financial bit, which later obviously didn't work out very well for Zlachevsky because his bank, the same bank that was tied to Zlachevsky was the oligarch totally in control of Burisma. But Zlachevsky and another oligarch were directly involved with this bank called Privat Bank. That other oligarch's name was Igor Kolomoisky. Igor Kolomoisky was the oligarch who led to the funding, the career, even the TV show of a comedian turned politician named Vladimir Zelensky. Folks, with all the danger out there in today's world, many Americans are concerned with the very real possibility of prolonged food shortages. That is why I urge everyone to secure a supply of long-term emergency food while you still can. I highly recommend you choose My Patriot Supply as your supplier. They are the nation's largest preparedness company. And right now, they are offering a special deal when you buy their three-month emergency food kit, which lasts up to 25 years in storage. With each kit you order, you will receive a bonus package of Crucial Survival Gear worth over $200 for free. The three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply guarantees your family will have peace of mind during a disaster. And the survival gear will help you be even more prepared. The kit includes breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks with over 2,000 calories per day. Best of all, this food is so tasty. Your whole family will absolutely love it. To get your emergency food and your free survival gear worth over $200, go to MyPatriotSupply.com, MyPatriotSupply.com. When it comes to stealing Kias, you stick up right here, right here, and then you you want to pull it down and then just break it down, and then it comes like a little a silver piece. You just put the flathead in and break it. Then you start it with a charger piece, like a like this. And with the USB cable, someone can start up and drive off with your car. The low-tech hack reportedly works on Hyundai models as well. The key is that the targeted makes and models only use keys. So the Kia boys, now this has been something that's been going on for at least a year, possibly even more. It relates to the TikTok hack challenge called, of course, the Kia challenge. And the Kia challenge on TikTok is go and steal someone's car and film yourself while doing it. Now, I'm not sure who it was that figured out that, obviously probably some dude, figured out that you can steal a Kia and a Hyundai just with a, literally a USB cable. And I remember when we were researching this, I went to producer Angelo and producer Russ, and I was like, okay, guys, so what's what's the USB cable hooked up to? Is this, is this hooked up to like programs or something on the iPhone? Is it an app? And they're like, no, it's literally just a USB cable. That's all it takes. Well, the new news is out on this, and it turns out that Kias and Hyundais are now completely uninsurable, these specific models, because they don't have the anti-theft software. Now, they're saying that uh, we're, we're, we're getting new software for it. It's going to be working. Uh, but this, is, this has to be like, this is like in the movie, basically, where, you know, when, you know, when, when MacGyver runs up 
Minimum Garbage TV show, not a movie, but go with me, folks. He runs up and he's got his knife and he just pulls it out and stabs it into the into the wheel of the Toyota and turns it and starts going. It's basically that easy to steal one of these cars. So they're completely uninsured. But listen to this. Listen to how bad it's gotten. Now, this started out in Milwaukee. It spread across the entire country. Every single major city has gotten this. And if you remember, one of the major themes here at Human Events Daily is get out of cities. The, the viral car theft challenge, this is from hotcars.com, the viral car theft, car theft challenge started in the streets of Milwaukee and last year, 10,461 vehicles were stolen in the country, among which 67% were either a Hyundai or a Kia. So why are these cars so easy to steal? Now they're saying that uh, Kia and Hyundai are working on this there's details of some of these TikTok-led, uh, you know, software solutions to this, but it's it's just so bad. It's so bad. Now, the social media group Kia Boys is responsible for this. They've called it the Kia Challenge. Like I said before, it started in Milwaukee. This has been going on everywhere. And basically, any Hyundai or a Kia that was produced between 2011 and 2021 is astonishingly simple to steal. A regular screwdriver and a USB cable is all you need to actually steal one of these cars once you've broken into the car itself. This is horrible. And of course, I'm not putting that information out there because like I said, it's already viral on TikTok. So once, now there's that whole angle, right? Of yes, here's once again, TikTok is being used to steal cars or used to commit crime. But I want to look at this from another perspective. Why do we allow these things to go on? Why aren't we, as a country, just going to anyone who's performing the, the Kia challenge on a car that's not theirs and arresting them? Why aren't we just using TikTok to go and arrest all these people? And if we are arresting them, okay, that's just like everybody knows the name, Grand Theft Auto. You're not playing Grand Theft Auto, kids. You are Grand Theft Auto now. And that means you're going to jail for a long time. And then actually putting them in jail. This is as bad as it's gotten. It's gotten so bad in our inner cities, many of which, almost all of which of our major cities have woke Soros pro prosecutors, that there are criminals now making TikTok challenges of the crimes they are committing because that's how much they don't care about being caught. What's next? The TikTok date rape challenge, the TikTok Epstein challenge, the TikTok murder challenge. I've interviewed Rudy Giuliani before, Mayor Giuliani. He had a little thing that he called the broken windows theory. What was the broken windows theory that cleaned up the city of New York? You go after the little crimes and eventually the ball rolls downhill. The snowball rolls downhill. You get the avalanche effect, the snowball effect. You go after people who break windows. You go after turnstile jumpers on the subways. You go after the people who are painting the or tagging uh, the subway cars or graffiti. You go after all of these people. And eventually you start to set the precedent that crime will not be permitted. We've got the exact opposite going on right now. It's gotten so permissive. The atmosphere for crime and criminality is so permissive in the United States, particularly in the major cities, that these kids are just out there stealing cars left and right. Over 10,000 cars just last year. 
And what they're doing is they're joyriding these things. And many of them don't have any driving experience whatsoever. I mean, again, remember we're talking TikTok age, so young teenagers, stealing these things, driving around, joyriding, crashing into people, killing people, killing people. This And people have died. Women, babies, infants off of the TikTok challenge. And so my question is, I don't know, I guess it's not a question. It's when are we going to get serious about crime? When are we going to actually look at our, our cities and say, you know what, this doesn't work anymore. We are going to move the state government in any state where you have the effort. It's a red state where you have the opportunity, right? Like Austin, like the city of Austin is a great example. Daniel Perry and the rest, um, the arrests that were going on. We talked about it last week with DPS. The state needs to come in every one of these instances and restore law and order. If the police and of course the DAs of this area are not willing to do so. It's as simple as that. I'm sick and tired of this stuff. I don't want to raise my family in a country like that. Polish society rejected you seven times. So to let you know, Poland is number one with unemployment. Poland is number three with management for women. And Poland is number one, Eurostat, it's your data, not ours, is number one as the safest place in Europe. So before you're going to judge us, before you're going to point us with your finger, maybe you should think about Sweden and the rapes on women by illegal migrants. Maybe you should focus on Germany, which is number one, with all these crimes coming over from illegal migrants instead of Poland. This is real. This is real democracy. And this is not our data. This is Eurostat. Thank you. So, meanwhile, in Poland... Told you guys yesterday that we've been recording the show from here in Poland this week. I gotta tell you, I have a great time. Um, so we're headed over to CPAC Budapest here uh, later this week. I'll be speaking on Thursday. Going to be doing a an, a live interview on stage where I'm going to be interviewed by a local journalist from Hungary, and and we're going to talk about all this stuff. We're going to talk about the war. We're going to talk about Hungary. We're going to talk about wokeness, the regime in America, the rest of the rest. But. Uh, I was able to finagle a couple of days to be able to spend some time in Poland, to be able to visit family, see how things are going. So, uh, bring, we actually brought the kids. Um, so I'll just, yeah, I'll just say that out there. This is my kids. So Jack-Jack, uh, we took him the first time when he was just, just about six months old to Poland. So he doesn't really remember it. But now he's, uh, he's going to be turning five here in about two weeks. We're very excited for that. And then AJ is too. So I know Jack-Jack is definitely going to remember this trip. AJ, eh, we'll see. I mean, he's got, obviously, we'll be able to, we're taking lots of pictures and videos. So we'll, he'll, he'll remember it, um, you know, at least through that. But I got to tell you guys, not only is the food here amazing, when I look at stories like we just talked about with the Kia boys, and I look at the stories about the insane violence, the border crime in America, the insanity that's going on. And then I come to Poland and I, or I sit here in Poland as I just go around town and it's the level of public safety after coming from the United States is it's insane. It's, it's incredible what you can have when you have a country that actually cares about its citizens like Poland does. Poland is one of the safest countries in the entire EU um, this is according to Eurostat. This is Europe. This is the European Union's own data. It's also one of the safest countries on, in the world for women. Um, some of these countries 
are three times, the average is three times more likely for crime, violence, vandalism, robbery, murder, than it is in Poland. It's one of the absolute lowest terrorist attacks. There are no terrorist attacks in Poland. Now, we know that that spate of ISIS attacks seemed like it was happening across the entire continent for years at one point. Poland never had any. One of the reasons for that is that Poland never accepted refugees during the migrant crisis. And we know because MP Dominic Turczynski that you just heard there at the EU, that he's a European member of parliament, was very emphatic about this. And what did he say? He said, Poland has no problem with taking in refugees. We take them in from Ukraine. We take them in all the time. We've taken millions of refugees in from Ukraine. Uh, the number is almost incalculable at this point because actually many of the refugees that have come into Poland from Ukraine have gone back to Ukraine, gone back and forth. It's, it's insane, but it's millions of people at this point. We know that it's millions of people. So the question is, why is Poland so much safer than the United States and the rest of the EU? By the way, Poland is number 25 on the Global Peace Index. I just checked for 2022. You know where the United States is? Number 129 out of 169. And that's because of crime in the U.S., particularly homicides. And I think that's something that living in the U.S. that people just don't understand that other countries aren't like us. Other countries, there are places out there like Poland where you can feel safe walking across a city at night, right? That, that whole idea of, oh, I can't go into the city at night. You're going to get, you're going to get mugged. You're going to get shot. You're going to get robbed. I'm not saying those things never happen in Poland. It's isn't some like, you know, uh, fantasy land or something, right? Obviously there is crime, but it's so much lower here. Uh, incidents of murder, so much lower. And when it, and when murder does happen in Poland, it's particularly, um, it's 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 a domestic incident for the most part. It's not like the type of random uh, gang related or mugging, carjacking turned into shooting that we see in the United States. The, the amount of just insane violence that you see on the streets in the U.S. doesn't exist in Poland. Um, they went and did surveys. And I want to pull up one of them here in Poland of. Of crime statistics and people just for the most part. Uh, people in Poland said they did not feel that they were worried about crime, that it was just not something that was on their list whatsoever as something that they were worried about. Why does Poland take this stuff so seriously? Crunch the numbers on this. For 150 of the last 200 years, Poland either was occupied or had completely lost its independence altogether. Uh, didn't exist on the map for much of that time. How was it then that over the last 200 years of this, which included, by the way, the occupation of the Nazis and the communists in World War II, as everybody knows, which led to the death of one fourth of the male population. How do you get through something like that? How do you survive something like that? It's very simple. It's hard, but it's simple. You never, lose your language, your culture, and your religion. Because if at any point during all that time, during the communist years, during World War II, during the partition, if the Polish people had stopped speaking Polish, 
had stopped practicing their religion, had stopped celebrating and continuing the traditions of their people through their traditional culture, they never would have had a country to return to. And yet even during all those years and everything that Poland faced, they were able to maintain it. And now for the last 30, 32 years, Poland has had independence and freedom for the first time since before World War II, since the fall of the Soviet Union. And in doing so, they understand that which is most important in a society, stability, peace, social order. These are things that are currently kept very strong in Poland. I'm not saying there aren't outside forces targeting Poland. They target all the time. They're targeting Hungary too. That's why I'm going there very soon. But it's a lesson for America that if you can maintain those things, society, culture, traditions, religion, language, then you can survive anything. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.